0: Welcome to the Be Kind Podcast with your host, Joe Kirchner, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central
1: Pennsylvania. Welcome everybody to the Be Kind Podcast. We're back after a couple week break to recharge and regroup this so we can hit the ground running and keep... you. Delivering the amazing, amazing content and compassion messages you love. Because as part of the Animal Advocate's mission to create a more compassionate world for all living creatures, to quote everyone's favorite anti-Semitic children's book author, whether it's one fish, two fish, a red fish, or a blue fish, we love them all, and they should all be loved. So just a quick reminder, like and subscribe us, follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold. And sending us an email at BeKindPodcast at gmail.com with any questions, feedback, insight, jokes, tips, tricks, whatever. We just want to make sure people are listening. So any email we get is always really appreciated. We really love hearing from our listeners. Today, I am joined once again by John and Dominique. Hello, everyone. Hey.
2: Hi. <laughs>
1: So I walked in a little bit late and John and Dominic have had a lot of time to talk and break the ice and all that. So I'm jumping in cold, but let's just jump right into it, Dominique. Can you tell us a little bit about your vegan journey and what you're currently active in right now?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's been a long one, almost as long as uh, John and I have known each other. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which is
0: over uh, 20 years. <laughs>
2: over 20 years we're thinking back into the 90s yeah Uh, you know I became like vegetarian I think it was when I was 13 or 14 Yeah, and it was partially um you know for animal welfare and partially peer pressure like my three best friends were doing it too but I'm glad we did it and two of us stuck with it for 15 years and my my best friend Sienna she's still still vegetarian and her whole family's raised vegetarian and then personally like in my mid-20s just I think I felt a different kind of peer pressure and then went all in and just ate everything for a while. I grew up in Vegas and I was still living in Vegas and I was working in the aquarium industry taking care of sharks and fish and tanks and this was great because I thought how close I can get. This is the closest I can get to the ocean as a a person growing up in the desert, always wanting to be a Marine biologist. But after doing it for a few years, I just really got to understand the life of an animal in this, in this sort of captivity, like certain species. I thought maybe they had a fine life and then others, maybe they were too big for the tank. And I really wanted to get closer to the ocean. So I made my way to San Diego and went to earn a master's degree from the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in marine biodiversity and conservation and that was super exciting and again I thought okay this is it I made it I'm gonna be a marine biologist or as close as I can be and uh, got started on the program and then quickly was really depressed because all we were learning about were like the problems the ocean is facing and how doom and gloom it is and there weren't very many solutions presented at the time so it was pretty frustrating like man there's just it felt like What can you do? You know, what can I do as a person? And uh, food has always been something that I've thought about as an actionable thing. You know, everything you eat kind of has a path to where how it got to your plate and how it was created and who collected it and the footprint and everything. And then especially with seafood. And uh, I focused my capstone for my master's on sustainable seafood and worked with local um, chefs and connected them with a local aqua farm that was growing oysters and uh, clams. But the native oyster was settling on their gear and they weren't selling it. So I thought this was an interesting opportunity to see if this could be another revenue stream for the aqua farm. If the local chefs wanted to use this new oyster, which was like, you know, kind of like farm to plate or uh, sea to plate kind of thing. And that that kind of got me on the sustainable seafood and I was also introduced to social entrepreneurship and triple bottom line business models while I was getting a master's degree. And I was like, wow, this is amazing because I'd always kind of had this bias against businesses of being evil. But, you know, some people do start businesses for for good and for change. And that was really inspiring for me. And that led me to start a company called New Wave Foods. So I'm the co-founder of New Wave Foods, but I'm no longer with the company. But obviously I love and... Deeply believe in the mission and the vision of the company, and I'm here to just advocate them big successes. The initial concept was uh, making shark fin alternative from recombinant protein technology, which I had no clue (laughs) what that was at the time, but because I had worked with sharks in the past, I somehow uh, was a good fit. And later learned that recombinant protein technology is like you're basically going to go in to an organism and program it to create the collagen of a shark. So you don't need to, to catch a shark and fin it. You would actually grow the collagen in a lab. And then you could have this great shark fin product that didn't come from a shark, but is like actual shark collagen. Yeah, that kind of brought me like full speed into this new technology in the food space, alternative protein sources. Um, a lot was happening in the plant-based space at that time. And I moved up to San Francisco and learned about Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods and Hampton Creek, which is now called Just. And they're all raising hundreds of millions of dollars and looking at our team and just thinking like, "Hey, we really should go after this plant-based space because it's it's really hot right now and it's to our team's advantage." And so we we ended up pivoting into making a plant-based shrimp as our first goal. Um, and that kind of tied everything together because shrimp is the favorite seafood by far. Like Vegas, in Vegas, people consume the most shrimp there than anywhere else in the country, <laughs> you know, with all the seafood buffets and everything. But it has the worst supply chain, whether it's farm raised or wild caught. And then there was just no good alternative on the market. There were a few that had been around for a while, but, you know, looking at the level of the, the Impossible Burger, the Beyond Burger—like there's, there just wasn't anything on the market for seafood in that capacity. So that was our our new direction, and uh, we went full speed ahead on that. And I think that's proven to be great for the company because it's still going. Hopefully, next year people should be able to try the shrimp.
1: There is so much I want to ask and talk about, and <laughs> wow. I just like to first. Ask John, why do people come on the show who are so great and talented and do such (laughs) great things when we're just two jamokes sitting in my weird house in York, Pennsylvania?
0: I just know cool people. It just happened to be worked out that way. (laughs) Uh,
1: So talk about a vegan journey. That is such a delightfully progressive, lifetime-long journey that just makes so much sense. It could be a book. Start out (laughs) vegan, not vegan, and you go aquarium, education, business. And
2: (laughs) it was a lot. I did throw a lot in there, didn't it?
1: Beautiful. (laughs) I I love it. I feel like everyone's vegan journey should, we should all have such logical. Well, no, we should. We should all, all our journeys are valid and amazing. But I just love how that was such a nice logical progression of every step in your life leaning towards where you are now. So, first, thank you so much. This is a very relevant topic to an episode we just did with some of the good people over at Phonolytics and they were talking about they were measuring the number of lives lost in foods that people traditionally eat and one of the things that results in the most deaths of animals they identified was seafood which goes contrary to a lot of the ideas that vegans throw out of pescatarians or vegetarians who indulge in seafood and things like that as a They claim a more ethical way of living. But when we look at the number of lives lost in the consumption of these foods or animals, it's actually a significantly higher amount of actual deaths that go into it. So I think they would applaud you for what you're doing, especially because by replacing shrimp, which they identified as one of the most inefficient, deadliest food choices people can make, you're essentially reducing the number of lives lost on a grand, grand scale. So that is just so cool to hear. And I also have to ask the uh, former marine biologist about oysters and clams and all that, because that's something that comes up in a lot of vegan circles. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's true. We
1: here well, uh, Steve will start eating clams or oysters now, so he's no longer <laughs> vegan. And then people say, well, oyster is actually dumber than some plants or things like that. And I just want to hear from the source itself, are oysters and clams and things like that technically vegan, or where do they fall on the spectrum of sentience or conscience or relevance in terms of their ability to feel and suffer
2: oh gosh i I would never dare to claim myself as the authority on on that topic (laughs) per se i think where do you draw the line it's it's tough and i I even had pushback from some investors for new wave um some really like there i don't know if you've heard of it yet but they call themselves the vegan mafia and there's like this great group of investors out there that are all vegan and their mission is to invest in vegan companies and help grow, um, you know, exposure for you just grow all of these great companies that have amazing technologies and just make the world more vegan, I guess, is a very simple way to put it. But pushback from even people in the vegan mafia on shrimp, because same kind of uh, approach where it's like, we, nobody was sure about the, uh, the shrimp's brain is so small, or does it even feel pain? But then my argument was, was to your point of like bycatch, or the other number of lives lost for every pound of shrimp caught. It's like five, it could be anywhere between like five to 10, depending on factors of like how it was caught. So I can't say that I'm the authority on that. It's hard to to say if a clam or a mussel really, uh, I mean, I don't think they have a brain. I mean, the anatomy is a little bit uh, rusty for me. I would have to go look at some of my notes, but they're really just kind of like a filter and they have you know, like i a mouth and a stomach and then it, things get filtered through and out and the water is cleaner. Um, but like no eyes or I don't think a brain, but please don't quote me on that. <laughs> so I think it's a, kind of a personal choice on what you're comfortable with. And, um, you know, if it's something where it's like you really enjoy this protein source and uh, you think that, you know, it's in alignment with your beliefs and ethics Um, It it can be a very sustainable choice. So that is kind of a pro for those products, you know, because I said they do clean the water. They can be farmed, raised um, without a lot of a lot of the issues that you can find in aquaculture. I mean, they really just kind of like grow on ropes and stuff and they're not disturbing um, the environment. They don't require a bunch of feed that can cause a lot of water quality issues. They just filter the actual water coming in from the ocean and you can create these really cool multi-trophic uh, aquaculture farms with, with mussels and clams where you're growing seaweed, algae, clams, and maybe some fish too. And it's like a much more balanced approach. So they can be great options, but I think it's going to come down to your, your personal comfort level
1: we're not advocating for the consumption of clams or oysters. We are going to advocate that you consume your um, replacement seafood products. Can you tell us a little bit more about the products you make with your company and maybe some, I know you can't give away your secret sauce or your ingredients or anything like that, but could you give us some of the, basics of what goes into them so people have a general idea of what they're eating when they seek out these products
2: the focus the initial focus is a plant-based shrimp and then expanding into other plant-based shellfish so hopefully in the future there will be more plant-based oysters and clams who knows (laughs) Mm -hmm. but thinking about how is it made and 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 what is it made of it's obviously very it was very important for me as a co-founder and for us as a team to be very sustainable our our Slogan for a while was, we disrupt seafood, not oceans. So we wanted to make sure we had great, great, plant, great plant-based ingredients. And then personally, I'm very passionate about using seaweed and algae as an ingredient, because I think it can be some of the most sustainable food sources on the planet. And so that's what we aim for. And that's what you're going to find when, when they eventually get out into the market. Uh, it's a kind of a balance between the two. There were some algaes that we were excited about that weren't approved by the fda for certain applications but you can consume them safely in other ways so it was a kind of a regulatory hurdle for whatever reason so we have a mix of big kelp like brown algae in there and small microalgae ingredients
0: so i seen pictures on your on your uh, page of what this stuff looks like and it actually looks like seafood <laughs> that just blows my mind like how you're able to like Make these things happen. How do you go about that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I think the goal for a lot of plant-based companies is to give you um, a really amazing taste experience. and part of that is how it looks because mm-hmm. a lot of times you eat with your eyes first, yep and then going into like texture and flavor and those sorts of things. So you know, when we first started, it really um, didn't look like much <laughs> because we were very t- focused on texture. And so we were eating and tasting and just making sure the texture was on par with a shrimp like texture because for us and from what we were learning from consumers that's what was important and and kind of what people eat shrimp for a little like flavor yes but it's really like this textural experience and it's very has a crisp and a little bit of a chewiness and then it just kind of disappears in your mouth and so that's what we were going for and that's what we weren't finding on the market for these other things so it really started with texture and then we really got that dialed in, trying to get something that looked like a shrimp because the the goal is for everybody to be able to eat this. And I think to convert some really hardcore meat and seafood eaters, you know, they might not even think twice or they might not give it something like this a chance unless it looked familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that was like the driving force behind it. But one of the cool things about a plant-based shrimp and then using algae is that shrimp eat algae. So you're kind of using the stuff that makes a shrimp a shrimp anyways and just trying to cut out the shrimp as a middleman and use those ingredients to recreate the shrimp. Mm-hmm. So, um, we were finding some of the brown algae ingredients, giving us some of the texture components that we were looking for. Um, sometimes we can find algae ingredients that give us very authentic color because it's the same molecule that's giving that shrimp the pink color. Um, and you find it in other, other seafoods as well, like salmon. And, you know, it just comes from an algae. So, like, why not just take that? And make it into this plant-based shrimp instead of having to like grow a shrimp.
1: (laughs) I love how you're taking the idea that vegans say a lot of times where they're just going to eat the food and not eat the animal that eats the food. They're essentially cutting out the middleman, like you said, making the idea of just eating going back to the source more quite literally palatable. And though something I would like to hear your thoughts on is when people make like impossible burgers or impossible chicken shreds or things like that, they're not actually seeking to recreate the animal itself they were seeking to recreate the animal in the form of consumable goods that people label as food but when you go and try and recreate the actual shrimp you're physically out there trying to recreate the body of a shrimp almost like a frankenstein kind of thing (laughs) how does do you ever sit and think about that how you're basically trying to recreate this entire creature to be consumed and not just it's food for four or it's born for food
2: oh gosh i mean that's a really um insightful point because i I don't think people in like initially realize that that's the case if you're looking at a burger it's a piece it's like ground up piece of the animal it's not the whole animal but the shrimp is like basically the entire body so that was a, a challenge and we were aware of it from day one because a burger has an advantage where it is ground and you can kind of put in different things and it doesn't have to have the same structure as a muscle or the same texture as a muscle because it's already ground up. So that was, I think, to their advantage in terms of formulation. That's just my opinion. (laughs) Um, And then for us trying to replicate like the muscle structure of a shrimp, but not (laughs) be shrimp and using these plant-based ingredients was always on on the, you know, forefront of development and r&d because that's exactly what we're doing so it is a, a different beast so to speak it, it kind of makes me think about this uh, these other cool technologies that are out there as, along the same lines of the recombinant protein technology that i mentioned before there's companies that are growing the cells in the lab and so then that's that is kind of not that they're going to be growing the animal but they're growing. they need to do a similar thing where they need to figure out how do they put these molecules together to give you a muscle like texture. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's a interesting conundrum, <laughs> I guess, if you're trying to be plant-based, but then you're trying to replicate the body of an animal. But it's what you have to do if you're trying to be as authentic of a shrimp experience as you can make it.
1: Now, I'm imagining an impossible cow, which is <laughs> a full recreation of the body of a cow, but made with impossible beef or burger ingredients.
2: But would it just stand there? Yep. <laughs> <it> yep. Be- <laughs>
1: Unless I reread Frankenstein and figure out his secret in the footnotes. (laughs) Now that I got myself thinking about classic literature, I need to get back onto veganism. So you mentioned a little bit about the kind of weird conundrums that trying to start a thriving vegan business that the goal would eventually be to go mainstream to get more people on the vegan bandwagon. Can you go into more detail about some of the kind of ethical conundrums you find yourself into, whether it's animal testing capitalism in general, or even just the body of the shrimp thing we were just talking about and how you handle them.
2: Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just part of the challenge in general, I think, you know, and trying to meet people where they are and, and hopefully approach them in a way that helps them get to see your perspective, especially if they're coming from a strange or adversary angle, we didn't come across it too much. Like I said, I was really surprised to find how many vegans are out there to support and help and grow companies like the one I started and others out there like the Vegan Mafia. Like I had no idea there was this network of venture capital vegans that were out there um, supporting companies. And then the more that we would, we would go around fundraising, the more support we would find. And we found amazing um, advisors, that helped us with branding and marketing. And then we had uh, amazing PR people and everybody are, were vegan. So it was kind of like this great, I don't know, you just have all these great people in your corner because you are aligned on the same mission. Um, so when we were, you know, maybe in a situation that didn't completely align with what we, we were trying to do, we, we always felt really supported. And honestly, I can't think of a situation that came to mind. We were really embraced um, one of my favorite things to do is to talk with chefs and work with chefs and whether they're a vegan chef or a conventional chef or what have you they seem to quick, you know instead of having a long explanation or trying to convince somebody that it tastes great like they're like yeah no we know seafood is a hard thing to find most fish fisheries are overfished and we don't have a vegan alternative on our menu because there's nothing there so you know honestly it really seemed like a lot of people were championing championing what we were doing and getting behind it pretty quickly. One thing that we did early on that, that, that comes to mind in terms of like people not being very pleased with us. <laughs> we were in this accelerator and there was a lot of pressure for us to prove that people wanted to add plant-based shrimp. And this accelerator was across the street from a mall. And I said, you know, what? we're just going to go to the mall and we're going to give out samples. And this is not, I don't advise this because it's technically and legally, I don't think you're allowed to just go into the mall and give people food. (laughs) But I, (laughs) uh, you know, we walked in and I had this plate of popcorn shrimps. We like breaded it and fried it. And I strategically stood in the food court kind of near their seafood restaurant. So, you know, I was probably a little deceptive. Um, and I just had my plate and I said, Hey, you know, would you like to try this popcorn shrimp? And we have, we have a new breading we're testing and, you know, people just walking by would try it. Uh, and they would say, wow, this tastes really great. I'm like, what if I told you this was plant-based shrimp? And most time people are like, wow, that's cool. Like this tastes great. But there were a couple of people that were really upset. Oh, <laughs> that, no. Uh, we had fed them plant-based shrimp when they thought it was <laughs> conventional shrimp. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think, Overall, it was actually great in terms of uh, navigating the startup space and growing a company, um, a lot of support in that area. But uh, that that one time stands out as someone being kind of upset that they ate plant-based shrimp. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, and I did get kicked out of the mall. We got 86. Oh,
0: jeez but I'm not really surprised. I mean,
2: guess <laughs> yeah, it wasn't long. It wasn't long before the security came through and, uh, uh shuffled us out of there, right. but, uh, it was worth it just to get the reaction and just to have, you know, everyday people try the product and see what they thought of
0: it. Right. And, and, and you live in California. So what is like the community out there? Like with the vegan community, like I always hear great things, but like, it sounds like where you're at, it's <laughs> not nearly as friendly, Maybe? So, what is that? Uh,
2: Well, I was surprised. So, I recently moved to the Palm Springs area, and this is, I guess, a little more uh, like suburban and not as blue or progressive as some of the other areas that I lived in, like the Bay Area. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I was telling John that, you know, I can, when I'm walking to pick up my son from school, you can see people driving around with their huge trucks and Trump flags flailing behind them. Um, which is just feels a little weird when you're in California, but you know there's a lot of Republican folks here too. And moving to this area, I wasn't sure what to expect in terms of a vegan community, and I haven't been here long enough to really tap into like making friends or or acquaintances that are vegan. But I have been pleasantly surprised when I go grocery shopping, and you know you get those the mail-in flyers, weekly ads for like Vons and Ralphs and things, and in, uh, the Impossible ground meat is there and it's on sale for six ninety nine. It's like heck, <laughs> <laughs> even out here, it's it's you know available and at a good price point. So that's encouraging. And I, you know, I think just in California in general, there's been a big push with those plant based foods. So not too surprising. You know, they they targeted Southern California and and luckily, I guess this area was like grouped into like the L A region. So you know, fortunately, it hasn't been hard to find great food. But I just haven't had time to like talk to folks about it yet, honestly. I, everything's so shut down. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I, that's something I always forget about, too, is I have the stereotype that California is kind of the vegan mecca or vegan sanctuary with all the progressive smoothies and <laughs> vegan options every corner. And then I forget that California is huge and there's so much diversity in there and it's not all hippies and <laughs> chai lattes. I'm sorry for any California listeners. This is all my extremely limited worldview, and I realize that you're all very unique and have very regional tastes and personal tastes, and I don't want to color you all with one brush. But you mentioned Impossible Burgers. There's a whole lot of hubbub over the Impossible Burger, and even some of these Impossible Chicken things coming out. I haven't really heard as much hubbub or fanfare about vegan fish or seafood alternatives, and why do you think that is?
2: Well, I think especially in America, I mean, we're just burger people i mean americans eat beef and that's kind of our and chicken the top two proteins and then probably pork and seafood is a much smaller percentage of average american a total of four pounds of shrimp a year where you get i mean i don't know the number for beef but i'm imagining it's much much higher than that in terms of like annual consumption so um, it's probably easier for folks to get interested or excited around something that's much more familiar than seafood but you know we still consume our fair share of seafood and it is an emerging category within this whole food technology and plant-based movement when we started the company there there wasn't a, a plant-based seafood company like at the same new new wave of these plant-based companies so you know there's been vegan burgers and vegetarian burgers for a long time but then here comes impossible like raising the bar and here comes Beyond Meat and taking this to the next level of the bleeding burger there wasn't anything yet for seafood and then in the next and within the past five years I've seen the explosion in terms of these seafood alternatives and like some really great companies I just learned about one uh, actually uh, this week Called Save to Sea, like mm-hmm. Save to Sea, and they mm-hmm. do a plant-based uh, smoked salmon made from carrots, and it looks really good. They're based in Canada,
0: Interesting.
2: and I've actually been working with a really cool company called Akua, and they make jerky from kelp. So they have brown kelp that's harvested in uh, the Atlantic, the Northeast, mm-hmm. and they turn it into this really yummy kelp. And they have like five flavors, and they're actually about to launch a kelp burger. So not necessarily like a seafood alternative such as a plant-based shrimp, but still using kind of like seaweed and kelp in terms of plant-based alternatives. So I think that's the reason why that you and, – and those folks like Impossible and Beyond Meat, they've raised a lot of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, there hasn't been a plant-based seafood company that has raised hundreds of millions of dollars yet. So even the marketing budgets just – it hasn't been a, an equal match. <laughs>
1: right. Well, what would you recommend somebody looking to start their own vegan business, whether it's food based or cosmetics or clothing or any kind of vegan oriented business?
2: Man, I think there's a lot of resources out there and more and more resources out there as I think, like, I think in general, like this idea of entrepreneurship is more and more embraced. I think technology is facilitating that. You see a lot of people using social media and starting companies and, and whatnot. But it's the same thing, I think, for anyone looking to start a vegan company. There's a lot of people out there wanting to see and support vegan companies grow. Again, the vegan mafia, but there's, um, like syndicates that are supporting young vegan companies. There's something that I'm a part of right now called the Vegan Women's Summit and they've just launched their first pitch competition. And, and anyone that has a vegan company that has a female founder is encouraged to participate and it's free to participate. And then the winner gets $50,000 and great exposure. So uh, there's just opportunities out there. And I guess, depending on what you're looking to do, kind of finding your your sector of vegan like you said whether it's cosmetics or clothing or food um you can find some very specific great resources but also like generally i think you know things to just help you get off the ground and get going and then just be like a big advocate and work hard <laughs> helps a lot too when you're trying to start a business
1: i can't believe it's been over half an hour already Oh my god, like are we, serious? yeah we just <laughs> i feel like we just started yeah seriously <laughs> but if somebody wants to learn more about you and your business or Uh, you have anything you want to share coming up through the pipes? Where can people go find out more about you and what you're doing?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I am, uh, just as myself, I'm on LinkedIn, Dominique Barnes, professionally. And if you want to be friends, you can find me on Instagram at underscore Dominique Fay. That's my middle name, F-A-Y. And in terms of New Wave Foods, they're out there charging forward. You can go to newwavefoods.com or any of their handles and social media, New Wave Foods. Um, and then for the vegan Women summit, uh, you can check out their website or same thing, vegan women's summit on Instagram and find more information around the pitch competition and other things that they're working on.
1: So many great things to put in the show notes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so
0: much for being on here. Like I, I'm just blown away. Like, <laughs> like I, it's, you know, I've known you for over 20 years, but like we kind of, we didn't talk for a while. So like, I didn't know all the stuff that was going on and now I'm like learning all yeah. this stuff like right here, like on the air and it's like whoa (laughs) i know we
2: need to catch up uh, more frequently (laughs) yeah
0: right (laughs) but no seriously like uh, it's amazing and it's weird how we both ended up vegan at, at like almost the same time too like and even though we weren't talking like that's still we ended up on the same pathway, but you were doing way better things than I was. Hey man, oh, you're a I host on a podcast. True. That's a big deal. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like it, it's sad. amazing what you're doing. Like, thank you so much for everything you're doing.
2: Oh, well thank you guys for doing what you're doing and having me on. It's been real treat i felt like i talked too much
0: no 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 i enjoyed
1: hearing from you
2: guys
0: more
1: too we invite guests over to hear them talk that's the whole reason (laughs) as you come on be boring if you didn't (laughs) but we would love to
0: have you back on and we can you know definitely talk more about what's going on and what you have going on and everything and yeah seriously thank you
1: oh thank you this has been great and i'm just so humbled and honored that we have amazing people like you coming on and sharing the amazing things you're doing so thank you again for everything
2: oh it's my pleasure thank you guys
1: (laughs) and if anyone else has any questions or for dominique or us or has any comments or tips send us an email at be kind podcast at gmail.com and check the show notes for links to all the awesome things dominique talked about
0: three two one (mew) Miaow, (mew)